Hey, everybody, how are we doing? All right, that was much better. Uh, I don't know about you, but man, I love being part of a church where before the speaker ever comes out on the stage, the gospel has already been taught to us through the songs that we sing. Do you appreciate that about grace? I mean, we sang about the righteousness of Christ. The, the fact that you and I were bankrupt in our, in our sin, uh, we were sunk, we were hopeless until Jesus stepped in. And because of Jesus and his righteousness, we can stand, think about this for a minute. Like, don't just like sing that line and then like not let it, let it affect you. Like we can stand faultless, faultless before the throne of God. Like that's unbelievable because here's what I know. You're not faultless. And I'm not faultless, right? And it's only because of Jesus. And then we sang about just the gift of heaven and what we have to look forward to, that there's going to be a day that uh, we're going to stand face to face with, with, with Jesus. And he's going to wipe away our, our, our tears. There's going to be no more tears. And, and we'll be able to be in, in the joy of his presence forever. And the result of that is, is just praise. And we sang that song that just talked about surrender, right? That, that our response to the goodness of God and the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is that we respond and surrender. We say, here I am, Lord. And, and that's what this whole series that we've been in, that we're finishing up today, has, has been all about. It's been about surrendering, right? It's been sur it's surrendering my desire, the flesh desire that's, that's in, in us, to the desires of the Holy Spirit in us and leaning in to that. So today we're going to land the plane. Uh, it's, been, it's been a great nine weeks. I don't know about you, but man, I've been so encouraged uh, in, in, as we've gone through this, this series. I've been convicted. I've been challenged. I've been affirmed. And hopefully that's true for, for you as well. Today we're going to dig into the last fruit of the Spirit. And uh, I told somebody earlier uh, this morning, they asked what I'm going to preach on. And I told them and they said, oh, that's what they said, ugh. And so, after I told them. So I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna talk today about self-control. So go ahead and say it. Self-control. Self yeah, and so, uh, but I hope you don't have that, that response because uh, the truth of the matter is is that we have self-control as we lean into the spirit that lives in, in all of us. Um, I don't know about you, what you think of when you think about self-control. Maybe for you, what goes to your mind, you, you immediately go to losing weight. I gotta lose weight, gotta exercise self-control, and I gotta lose weight. Maybe for you, it's I gotta get back on the treadmill. I gotta move the clothing from off of the treadmill first. You know I'm right, right? And, and move it off and, and actually get on the treadmill. Maybe for you, uh, smoking is, you know, kind of this thing that you, you just feel like you need to exercise self-control and quit, quit smoking. And, and, um, or or maybe, it's, um, maybe it's saying no to um, hitting all the sales at the stores, right? Or saying no to that extravagant purchase that you're pretty sure you can convince your spouse that you really need. Right, um, and, and so these things, these things we talk about them. They're they're certainly part of self control, um, but the self control that we're talking about as a fruit of the spirit is deeper than these things. Okay, self control in our flesh. When we operate self control in our flesh, and we can we can operate in some measure 
in our flesh in the area of self-control. It usually doesn't last very long, right? But when we do tap into self-control in our flesh, not relying on the Holy Spirit, but, but, but relying on our own flesh, it's usually pretty self-serving, right? Um, if we have any measure of success as a result of tapping into self-control through our own flesh, it usually puffs us up. It leaves us arrogant and prideful. Um, and and it's, it's not the type of self-control that God wants to give us, right? When we're the recipient of our own glory, that's not the self-control that, that God wants for us. He's not going to empower us to see ourselves puffed up, right? Uh, he, is, he is, however, uh, will empower us if the glory goes to him, right? And, and so self-control, as we kind of kick things off here this morning, self-control is saying no to what my flesh wants so that I can say yes to what God wants, okay? It's saying no to what my flesh wants uh, and so that I can say yes to what God wants. And what God wants may be very different than what your flesh wants. It, it probably will be very different than what your, your, your flesh uh, wants. Jesus modeled this perfectly uh, in the garden of Gethsemane, just hours before he would die on the cross. You remember Jesus cried out to his father and he said, Father, if there's any other way, remember that? That, that this cup can be taken from me. But then he said, nevertheless, not my what? Not my will, but your will be done. Right? That's self-control. That's saying no to what my flesh wants so I can say yes to what, what God wants. Um, that's self-control. A little while later, Judas arrived with the guards, you will remember, to arrest Jesus. And Jesus looked at Judas the one that was betraying him, and he said, do what you came for, friend. That's self-control, right? When, when your closest friend's betraying you, do what you came for, friend, right? And Peter responded in that moment the way you and I often respond when people come at us. We get defensive, right? We get defensive. That's what Peter did. He grabbed his sword and he started swinging, is what he did. He cut off the ear of one of the guards. And then Jesus said this incredible statement in Matthew chapter 26. He said, he said, Peter, put your sword away. Put your sword away. He said, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. And then he said this, this, this startling statement. Jesus said, Peter, do, do you not realize I can call on my father right now in this moment? And he will send 12 legion of angels to me. But then he said, but, but how would the scriptures be fulfilled saying it must happen this way? See, what, what Jesus was doing is he's saying, not, not my way. I'm going to yield to the will of the Father. That's what self-control fueled by the Holy Spirit does. It says, no to what my flesh wants so that I can say yes to what God wants. Now think for a minute with me. If we were able to exercise that level of self-control, think of the impact that you would make in your community. Uh, think of the impact that you would make 
in your school. Think of the impact that you would make in your workplace and in your homes and, and in our church. Think of the, what we could do together if we were able to tap into that level of self-control. I believe that that's what God wants for us. So we're going to dig in today about what that looks like in our lives uh, as we wrap up this series uh, called, called Surviving to Thriving. We want to move away from surviving, just surviving, just merely surviving. We want to move on to thriving through the Holy Spirit. And so if you have your Bibles with you, uh, I invite you to turn in them to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, you'll find that after Hebrews, after James, after 1 Peter, keep flipping to the right and you'll eventually land on 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 3 to 11. We're going to read those out loud together, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 3 through 11. So when you find that, go ahead and stand up, uh, whether you have your hard copy Bible or your electronic device. And let's, uh, let's read this out loud together uh, loudly. Here we go. Let's read. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You may have a seat. So look at verse three, right out of the gate. Uh, Peter says this, he, he says, his divine power. His divine power. Who's, who's divine power? Is that, is that my divine power? Is that your divine power? No, it's, it's, it's the divine power from Jesus Christ. It's, it's Holy Spirit power. It's divine power. And Peter says his divine power has given us, what does it say? I need you to, I need you to say, what, tell me what it says. What's it say after that? Has given us what? Everything. Everything we what? Everything we need. If, you're, if you have a pen in your hand, I invite you to interact with God's word today. Just underline that phrase, everything we need. Everything we need. God's divine power, his Holy Spirit in us, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave. Okay, that same power, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Now, as believers, here's what, here's what I want you to know, and you can write this down. We have everything that we need to live a self-controlled life. See, it's not a power problem. It's an activation problem. So if we, if we have the divine power living 
in us for everything that we need to live a godly life, but yet we're, we're not thriving, we're surviving, then there's a, there's a problem, right? Well, the problem isn't with the power because we have the power. The problem is in the activation. The problem is, is that I haven't activated the power that's within me. I'll give you an example. I, we, we upgraded our pop-up camper. We had a pop-up camper and we had so many fun years in that pop-up camper. And I used to think that we were glamping when we were in the pop-up camper because it was nice. It had, had the, all the amenities, you know, the heat, the AC, the refrigerator and the shower. It has a shower and the pop. It was great. Uh, but I didn't realize like how the other, other people lived until we upgraded uh, to a 30-foot pull behind camper. This thing's glamping. Like this thing's like, wow, it's got everything, right? It's got, I don't even want to leave. We get to the campground. I'm like, oh, you guys go on out and experience nature. I'm staying right here. <laughs> but we have a TV in our camper. And I know that's like, you go out into nature. You, like you shouldn't need a TV. I, I, I get it. But we have a TV and we try not to watch it. But the Olympics were on, right? And, and so I wanted to watch the Olympics and and so we hooked up the cable to the TV and I went on the remote and I turned it on and, I, and I, I went to the setting where you have to scan, right? Scan, because there's an antenna on the top of our camper, scan for the channels and it goes through this long process where you have to wait for impatiently for about two minutes, like it's terrible. <laughs> And, and then up pops the channels, right? But when, when I did it, it said zero channels found. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm in like the Taj Mahal here and I can't even watch the Olympics. I can't even watch the Olympics. And so I, something was up and I, I couldn't figure it out. And so I got the manual out and I start reading. It's a powered antenna. It's a powered antenna. And I'm like, okay, well, there's got to be power to the antenna somewhere. I'm a pretty smart guy. And, and so I'm like, where is the power to activate the antenna? And I could not find the button. I couldn't find the power. And so I, I get behind the TV and I'm looking and, and underneath where I plug the, the screw the cable in to the, to the camper, there's a little tiny black button that blends in perfectly with the plate. So I couldn't see it. And I'm like, oh, there it is. And so I pushed that button and a green light came on and I scanned the TV antenna one more time and up popped like 47 channels. And, and, and it's like, see, well, I had everything at my disposal. I had everything I needed. I needed to activate it, right? The power was there. I just needed to push the button. For some of you, you've been, you, 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 you've been operating in this place spiritually in your life where you have everything. You have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. You have everything that you need. You have the divine power of the Holy Spirit living in you, but you haven't activated the power. And so what happens is, is you're, you're not fruitful in your life. You're, you're, you're struggling. You're, 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 you're limping along in your life, living way below what God has for you. See, it's not a, a power problem. It's an activation problem. We haven't activated his power. See, his power is available to you. And you can leave here today if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I promise you, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's indwelling you. You have divine power 
for everything that you need to live a godly life. And I promise you that you can leave here today submitted and surrendered to, to God's will and you can, you can walk out of here activating that power. Anybody interested in doing that today? Man, I, I, I am. See, you, you have the power. His power is available for us to have self-control in your attitudes. I know it's hard to believe, but it's true. You know, that, that jerk that cuts you off in traffic, that, the boss that puts something on your desk, you know, 10 minutes before quitting time. You know what I'm talking about. And that, the attitude that, that pops up to you. His power is available for you to have self-control in, in those moments. His, his power is available for you to have self-control over your addictions, whether it be food, whether it be pornography, whether it be alcohol, prescription drugs. His, see, his power is available to you to have self-control in your finances. His power is available to you to have self-control over your fears, all of your fears, not just some of your fears, all of your fears. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, says, for God has not given us a spirit of what? You know it, spirit of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. That's what God gives us, right? But we have to activate it. We have to activate it. We have the power. It's not a power problem. It's an activation problem. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may what? What's the word? No, say it. No, no, no. Let's try this again. Uh, So that through them you may what? Say it loud. Participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desire. See, you and I, we are active participants in what God desires to do in you, and I would say through you. We're active participants. See, you can't passively grow into a thriving relationship with Jesus. It just doesn't work that way. You can't passively sit back and hoping that one day you're gonna wake up and like all of a sudden this power is gonna be activated in your life. But yet how many of us at different times in our lives we think that that's just the way it works. But no, we're active participants. Now it's not our power, it's the Holy Spirit's power but we're invited to be participants in in the divine power that's in us. We're active participants. Look at verse five. It it says, for this very reason, what are we supposed to do? We're, We're supposed to make every effort, every effort, not just a little bit of effort, not just part time effort. We're supposed to, we're supposed to make every effort. That means like pull out all the stops in your effort to participate in what God wants to do. Pull out every stop, make every effort. And then it says to add to your faith. And then the whole list of things there, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, uh, mutual affection, love. We can add to this list, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the fruit of the spirit, because these are all qualities that the Holy Spirit wants to do and give you and, and flow through you. And it says, make every effort to add to your faith. This word add is an interesting word uh, because the Greek word here for add is choragos, choragos. And that word, where where it originated is in in Greek uh, cities, what would happen is there would be very wealthy 
people, um, you could call them like sponsors, right? And they would assemble and pay and fund for choirs to be assembled in Greek cities. And these wealthy people, they were civic-minded and they, and they wanted something good for their communities. And so they would fund these choirs to assemble and get together and put on shows for, for the town, for the various cities. And these people, these wealthy people were called the Korogos. The Korogos. And this word literally means like extravagant, lavish, right? And so what Peter's saying is for this very reason, make every effort. So don't go part-time, be all in. Make every effort to be generous and, and to be lavish in participating with what God wants to do in you and through you right? That's a very different picture than being passive, just kind of waiting for, you know, I don't know, like the spirit to move in you or something, right? Like we just want to wait. We're just going to sit here and we'll just wait. Well, that's not the way it it works. I want want to tell you a story about what it means to be all in. Uh, When I was in my early 20s, um, that was a, a while ago, uh, I was part of a, of a church and we had this pastor and he was old, he was like 45. And his name was Pastor Warren. And Pastor Warren was a Canadian guy, and we would always make fun of his accent. And, but he was a good guy. He, he, he really was trying to pour into me and get to know me and, and others my age. And back then in my 20s, I had, I rocked the mullet like nobody's business. Like, like think Elkhart County Fair mullet. That was me. That was me in my 20s. I had a long mullet in the back, and, and I, was into, I was always into, like, fringe kind of music. Like, I was never into normal people music, if there is such a thing. Like, I, I always kind of went to the darker side, the heavier side of, of music, okay? In the 80s and the 90s, it was spandex and big hair, right? Um, you know, and, and, and so I was always into that, always, still am. Sorry, I still am into that. Uh, those that know me know that. Um, and, and I was always into that kind of music. And Pastor Warren wanted to get to know me. He wanted to get into my world. And so he would always talk to me about me. He would try to talk to me about music. And it, it never worked real well. But he, he knew I was going. I had told him I was going to a show um, in, in Philly uh, to a, a, a little concert venue to see a couple of my loud bands and my fringe bands that I was going to see. And he surprised me. He goes, he says, I want to go with you. And I was like, nah, I don't think so. And he's like, no, I really, I really wanted, to, I, I really want to. Can I, can I come along with you? I said, sure. Yeah, come. You know, so I, I pick him up and we're getting ready to get down to Philly to, to the Trocadero, this uh, concert venue. And uh, he comes, I'm, I kid you not, dress shoes. He had pleated dress pants. He had a button-down dress shirt tucked in, like, all the way around. You know, and I show up. I got my ripped jeans and my hat on backwards and my concert shirts and all that, you know. And we go. And so we, we go into this venue, and I'm thinking to myself, he is going to hate this. Like, this is going to be the worst experience ever. He's not going to stay. This is going to be awful. And so we walked into the door, smoke everywhere. Let's just covered in smoke. You can hardly see anybody with all everybody smoking. I'm sure they were cigarettes. Um, 
and, and, and people are just wall to wall. There, there's just no room. It's just like a sardine can is all it is. And, and now normally what, where I would go at those places is all the way up front where the action is, right? In what we call the pit, right? And there's usually, you know, elbows flying and legs flying up. It's just, anyway. Uh, but, but then, and you guys know what crowd surfing is, right? You ever hear that? Where somebody gets on the stage and there's people standing there and you just fall back into the crowd and the, the crowd kind of walks you back to the back of the room. Sometimes you fall and hit your head. It doesn't hurt that long. You get back up. And, and that's usually at the places that I would go and the loud concerts I would go. That's like, uh, that was a steady stream of people. And so Warren, he was in there in the back of the room. I decided to stay in the back for his benefit. And so I'm back there and, and he's like asking me all kinds of questions. Like, what, what are those people doing? What, what is that? What is the meaning of that? What's that? And so I was telling, I was just explaining to him. And before I could say anything more, Warren disappears. Pastor Warren runs, I'm not even joking, he runs to the front and he climbs up on stage in his dress shoes, his dress pants, his tucked in shirt and he goes like this and he, he falls back and the crowd's moving his legs up. He's fist pumping. He's got a big smile on his face and he comes back, his hair's a mess, his shirt's untucked and, and he's like, that was awesome. That is what Peter's telling us, that, that, we should, that we should go after, be all in. See, Warren wasn't just content to just come and experience it. He, he wanted to immerse himself into my world. He, he was all in. See, we need to stop watching spiritual growth happen in other people and wishing that was me. Have you done that? kind of scoping through Facebook and, you know, or, or, or rubbing shoulders with people and, and you're like, you see God doing all kinds of stuff in, in their life and you just kind of sit there and like, man, I wish that was me, but well, it's not me and so I'll just passively wait until God does that same thing in me. No, we need to be all in. Remember, choragos, we need to be extravagant, lavish, go after it, pull out all the stops. That's the kind that's, that's the kind of invitation that, that we need to, to have and that, and that we need to go after. Look at verse 8. Uh, Peter says, if you possess these qualities, all of those qualities that we talked about, right, in increasing measure. By the way, I love that it says in increasing measure. Because what that means is it, does, it doesn't say like in the full amount. It doesn't say perfectly. It says no, you, you need to pursue these things in increasing measure. See, spiritual growth is about progress. It's not about perfection. It's not about perfection. It's, it's about progress. And so we need to possess these qualities in increasing measure. That means I'm not where I was six months ago, but I still am not where I want to be, right? I, I need to pursue that, participate with what God wants to do in my life, and I need to do this in increasing measure. Not perfectly. We don't need to wait around until we have all it all figured out. And then we're going to throw ourselves at it. No. We, we just throw all of ourselves at it right now. And we progress. And we possess these qualities. We lean into the Holy Spirit. We say, Lord, I, I need you now. And, and we start seeing this stuff show up in our lives in increasing 
measure. Spiritual growth is not about progress, or it's about progress. It's not about perfection. And look at verse 8. It says, so if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, what's it say? It says, they will what? They will what? They will keep you from being, what's the word? Ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there ain't a one of us in this room. Well, maybe one. There might be one. I hope not. But there may be because there's always one. <laughs> but there, there, there is not a one person in this room that wants to be unproductive and ineffective. There's not one of you. Like, you're not going to wake up tomorrow morning, get ready for work, look yourself in the mirror and say, self, I want to be ineffective and unproductive. No, you, you don't do that. Like, because there's no joy in that. There's no satisfaction in that. There's no, there's no peace in that. But yet many of you, as, a, as you think about your spiritual journey, your spiritual growth, that's what, that's what Peter's saying. Like, because you're not participating, because you're not activating the power that's available to you, everything is that you need to live a godly life you have within you, but you have not pushed the button. You've not, you've not activated the power. You've not participating with everything that you have. You've not thrown yourself into it, the kind of, like, Warren throwing yourself into it. Like, like because of that, you're ineffective and you're unproductive. And I don't want to live that way. And I know you don't want to live that way. And God invites us to be productive and, and, and effective. And because that's what it means to thrive. That's what we've been talking about this, this whole series. That's where the thriving comes. That's when we're, we're productive and effective. Look at verse 9. It says, but whoever does not have them is what? What's the word? They're nearsighted and they're blind. They're nearsighted and they're, and they're blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Oh, man. How many times do I forget what I've been saved from? How many times do you forget what you've been saved from and we just allow life to pile on and we, we just we forget? We take our eyes off of that. We're nearsighted. We're blind. We need to lean in to the, the fruit of the Spirit, allow the Spirit to lead us. Proverbs 25, 28 says it, best, uh, it says, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. And then verse 10, Peter says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, that we're to make every effort, there it is again, make every effort to confirm your calling and election for if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Jesus Christ, Savior, Jesus Christ. We, we sung about that today. We sung about that, that the, the fact that, that there's going to be a day that we get to sing the hymn of heaven, the heroes of our faith, all of those who, who battled and struggled and strived and kept their eyes focused on, on Jesus, not perfectly, but, but, but just day by day. In, in increasing measure, we're, we're going we're gonna to be able to, to hear the well done of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a day that's going to be. But how do we do that? So maybe, maybe you're here today and you're like, okay, well, so I know it's not a power problem. I have the power and I know it's an activation problem, but how do I activate? Like, 
How do I activate? And we, we've learned some great stuff through this series. You know, Pastor John uh, encouraged us to dig into God's word daily, to find a, find a place, find a, find a time to, to really dig into to God's word. And, and so without forgetting any of that stuff that we've learned, I want to maybe add to a few, uh, with a few more things that I want you to consider. How do we activate? The first thing that we're going to do is we're going to renew our mind with God's truth. We're going to renew our mind with God's truth. I've, I've been studying and reading a book with a group of guys over the past month. Um, it's a book by Pastor Craig Rochelle called Winning the War in Your Mind. And in this book, Pastor Craig challenges us to evaluate lies that, that we believe that drive our behaviors, right? You know that every behavior that you have is driven by a lie that you believe somewhere along in, in, your, in your life. And that's why, like Pastor Jeremy's talking up here about, you know, uh, basically what he was saying is it's not in our own strength. It's not behavior modification. This isn't like a self-help thing. This is why we need the spirit because the truth be told, like if we modify our behavior and we're able to somehow in our, in our flesh muster up some level of self-control and we're able to, let's say, kick a habit, all that's going to happen is there's going to be another habit that pops up in its place. Like that's all, that's all it's going to do. It's just like moving the chairs on the Titanic, right? The Titanic's going down. All you're doing is moving the chairs around, right? So behavior modification doesn't work. It would be like, you know, you, you have headaches from a brain tumor that you have and it would be like treating your headache and thinking that that's all you need to do, right? That's, that's kind of what, what, what it's like. Like, no, the issue is there's something deeper. And, and so we, 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 we've believed a lie. And the result of that is, is that patterns begin to emerge in, in our lives. Um, unhealthy ruts uh, begin to carved out, be carved out in our brain. And so then we just operate in these ruts in our, in our lives, these unhealthy patterns. What's a rut? Anybody ever drive in a rut? It's not fun, right? Ruts are typically formed in mud. They become a nuisance and a danger. A rut is unintentionally created, right? And it has no purpose and it requires repair. And if you live in Alaska, uh, where there's only two seasons, winter and then summer, winter and mud are the two seasons in, in, in Alaska, you know, they, they get a lot of snow, right? And then summer comes and it melts all of the snow, turns it into mud. And then people drive on the muddy roads and what happens? It creates ruts. And in Alaska, this sign is actually on a road there. It says, driver... Please choose carefully which rut you drive in because you'll be in it for the next 20 miles. And that's true about you as well. I wonder the ruts that you've been in for 20 miles in your life. Maybe for some of you, 30, 40 miles, you've been kind of in the same rut. And um, the rut's been formed and, and your spiritual enemy, Satan, wants to keep you, wants you to live right there in that rut. And, and all behavior modification is, is really jumping ruts to a different rut. So it's like, you know, you're able to kind of like get out of this rut and all you do is just jump over and now you just landed in a different rut. And so we need something deeper, right? We need something deeper. And that deeper comes from renewing our mind with God's truth. That's how we get out of the ruts 
that we're in. So, so we're trying hard to change these patterns, only ending up doing the same things that we hate, right? Anybody want to stop worrying nonstop, right? Anybody want to stop arguing with your spouse? I don't argue ever with my spouse. I just say, yes, ma'am. Anybody ever want to stop scrolling endlessly on Facebook? Like, we sit there all day. Like, when you're old like me, you take your glasses off, you put them on the top of your head, and you hold the phone this close to your face, and you just scroll, right? Like, why do we do this? Like, it's a, you know, anybody want to stop eating junk food? Well, you know, again, like, we have to uncover the lies that we're believing um, to, get out of, to get out of the rut. We need to begin asking questions, questions like, what, look, what's driving this behavior, um, is fear driving this behavior? What's the feeling I have right when I fall into this behavior? Like, what is the feeling I'm going after? What's the feeling I'm, I'm, I'm looking to, to invoke? Um, and so we begin digging down deep and asking these questions. We uncover some lies that, that we've been believing. For some of you, you've believed um, lies. You're believing lies. For some of you, maybe your lie that you're believing that's caused you to live in this rut is that, uh, that you're a victim, that nothing good will ever happen to you. It's a lie that, that you've believed. And the result of that lie is that you put yourself in a victim's prison, right? And, and you self-sabotage anything good in, in, your lives because, in your life because you believed that lie. Maybe for some of you, um, you, 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 you prayed to God uh, for a situation that you desperately needed out of or wanted out of and, and God didn't deliver in a way that you thought he should uh, or would. And as a result of that, um, you know, you, you believe the lie that God can't really be trusted. You know, that, that you need to be in control of, of your life. You know, and so the outcome of that is you worry, worry, worry. You try to control everything and everyone around you, and you realize you can't control everyone or anything around you, and so then you worry, 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 and then you control, and you're in this rut, constant rut. It's this lie that you've believed. Maybe for some of you, you know, the lie is if I just had that one thing, if I just had, you know, this, this better car, better house, better, you know, whatever it is, um, and the, the outcome is, is that you keep buying things that you can't afford to impress people you don't even like, right? And uh, maybe, maybe a lie that you believed is that, that your value is found in what people say about you, in what people think about you. And so the result of that rut that you find yourself in based on this, this lie that you've believed is you wear yourself out trying to please people right? Uh, you, you don't say no and, and, you, and you say yes to people. And sometimes we even cloud it under doing the right thing, right? Because it can be the right thing with the wrong motivation. The right thing with the wrong motivation is the wrong thing, right? And, and, we, and we sometimes do that and we wear ourselves out trying to please people, trying to, we exaggerate even to impress people, and these are ruts that we live in. And what, what we need to do is we need to replace these ruts with the truth, and we do that by digging a truth trench, right? See, a trench is different than a rut. A rut is caused unintentionally, and there's no purpose in a rut. But trenches are very different. See, trenches are intentionally dug. 
to deliver a certain resource to where we want it to go. And we channel truth to the lies and to the ruts. And we, dig, we do that by digging truth trenches. And the trench has a specific purpose and it fixes an existing problem. See, the antidote for a lie is truth. And so it's important that you dig deeper below your behaviors to determine what lies that you've believed along the way. And then when you believe those lies and you uncover those lies, you replace it with the truth of what God says about you, you know? That your value is in what God says about you, not in what people think of you, right? That, that, uh, that I don't have to be a victim because we sang about it this morning. We're victors. We're victorious because of Jesus. He gives us victory through Jesus. And we begin replacing these lies with the truth. And we transform our ruts into truth trenches, Right. Romans chapter 2, 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we, we, activate, we activate all that God wants to do in us by, by, um, by leaning into God's truth and uh, renewing our minds through God's truth. And the second thing that we do to activate what God wants to do in us is get accountability. Get accountability. We all need accountability. See, accountability creates responsibility. Accountability stands with us and gets us through the difficult times when we just want to quit. Because there's times when we just want to quit. There's times when our, our perspective is so skewed and so off base that we forget the very truth that we know to be true, but, but we just forget it. We get off course. And, and we need somebody to stand with us in those moments to, to remind us of the truth that we already know intellectually, but, 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 but we've forgotten it and, and we've stopped relying on it. And accountability stands with us when we want to quit. Do you have somebody like that? Do you have a group of people like that in your, in, in your life? If not, man, pursue it. Get it. We all need it. Take a look at this video. This is what I'm talking about. This is the kind of accountability that we need. And now to honor America and salute the men and women serving our country with our national anthem, please welcome, as voted by you, the fans, our winner of the Toyota Get the Feeling of a Star promotion, Natalie Gilbert.
So we learn a couple things in that video. The first thing that we learn is don't invite Mo Cheeks to sing at your wedding. That might not go so well. But what we also learn is all of us need a Mo in our lives to feed us our lines when we forget them. You know, that, 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 that poor 13-year-old girl, I mean, wow, the courage that she had to even get out there. And you know that she rehearsed that thing over and over and over. Like, you know she had that memorized, right? You know, you know that. Like, she, she practiced it and practiced it and practiced it. But when it came time for the performance, she forgot her lines. She needed somebody to come alongside of her put their arm around her, say, come on, come on, we got this, we got this. When she wants to run and hide and give up, Mo comes around and says, I'm going to feed you the lines. I'm going to feed you what you already know. You already know this. This is the truth that you already know. But I'm going to help you get through this. And you saw her confidence just continue to rise and rise as she, she got through that song. All of us need a Mo. Do you have a Mo? in your life. Not a, not a Larry and a Curly. You don't need those. You just need a Mo. you know. You need, you need accountability in your, in your life. So, man, seek that out. Go after that. Like, put, be all in, in in finding accountability. Maybe you have accountability relationship, but you need to have a conversation. Like, we've been more, you know, like, uh, uh, what, what's the word that Jim always uses? What does he say? What's that? Compatibility, right. Maybe your accountability has become more like a combat, compatibility partner. You need, and you need to sit down and say, okay, guys, we've taken our eyes off the, like we, we need to get back on, on the ball here and get accountability. Third thing, as we wrap things up, is this. We need to remember the gospel when, when, you, when you fail. Remember the gospel when you fail. See, we need to return just time and time again back to the gospel. The gospel says get back up. Gospel says you can do this. Keep moving forward. Remember, it's not about perfection. It's about, it's about progress. It doesn't beat you up for yesterday. It, it gives you the power for today. That's what the gospel does. And, and Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us. 1 John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So as we wrap up this series today, I, I hope your biggest takeaway in this whole series, I hope your biggest takeaway is, is this, a real simple one. We took nine weeks to say this, you need Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We need Jesus. Jesus. We're sunk without him. We're stuck without him. We need him to convict us, to sustain us, to empower us, to change us. And so as we wrap up this series today, I think it's right and I think it's fitting for us to declare our need for him, to surrender our lives to him. Remember, it's not a power problem. It's an activation problem. You have everything that you need. The divine power of the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's an activation problem. And God invites us to participate with him, to add to our faith, to be generous and lavish and all in, just like Pastor Warren stage diving. I want that image to be in your mind. Like that's, that's the kind of, of, of all in that we're talking about here not holding back, not being content at watching other people grow in their spiritual journey 
and you just being passive about your spiritual growth. Let's be all in for Jesus. We can do this. Amen? Lord, I, we just invite you. We need you, Lord. I'm grateful for your grace. Lord, I'm, man, we're just, we're a mess. We're a mess without you. But God, with you, your divine power tells us in scripture that we have the power to demolish strongholds in our lives, to demolish them. Lord, we, we need that kind of power in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would be pushing the button, going all in. Lord, pursuing you every single day, coming before you, Lord, on our knees saying, Lord, we need you. Would you meet us in those moments, Lord? We love you. Thanks for the hope of heaven, the hope of eternity that we, we, we have to look forward to, Lord. But we want, we want all of your power now. We don't want to wait. We don't want to wait until heaven, Lord. Give us, it, give us your power now. So, Lord, we, we need you. We declare this together in Jesus' name. Amen.